Welcome to The Vinyl Preacher, your weekly podcast where we talk about the Bible and we even make a playlist at Matt Cato Pastor at St. Mark's Lutheran Church in Los Angeles, California. And I'm Zach Pierce, coming to you from the land of the sky, Matt, LOS. You're in uh, Asheville, North Carolina, three stories above street level, up above it all. Amazing. Uh... Zach, we're getting into some apocalyptic texts here at the end of the year, and uh, I can think of no better accompaniment to these texts than the second season of Loki, now streaming on Disney+, Plus. not a sponsor, but I just presented it as if it was. Pretty apocalyptic, though. End of the world all around. It is, yeah. Are you caught up? What can I talk about? I've caught up through episode five. Which is, yeah, everything but the last one, right? Yeah, which I thought... They came out on Tuesdays, but it's Thursdays. I was wrong. So I'm, it's Thursdays. Yeah, yeah. But uh, it's pretty. Uh, you said it was trippy, and it was really. I was. I, I was in. It was great. I thoroughly enjoyed yeah, episode five. It was a roller coaster. <laughs> uh, a lot of the reviewers not not big on episode five. Um, I enjoyed but it. We got to see the. Uh, we got to see Mobius's life on the timeline where he's a. <laughs> Hey, Jet salesman. They say that the personal watercraft is the thinking man's motorbike. <laughs> I do like that. Oh, That's great. <laughs> oh, and and Boros is uh, trying to sell his own books at the or buy his own books at the bookstore. <laughs> it's, it's great. <laughs> that was fun. Uh, it's fun. We're giving some circular time things. Mm-hmm. Uh, Ob gave himself the book that he wrote so he could write it. I guess. Um, you know, yeah. Uh, I really enjoyed the the images uh, of the end of the world too because you get what you get in the end game is dusting, and then in season one I felt like they kind of burned off the timeline, but here it's like it's spaghettification. And it's just, it's yeah. quite a visual. It's quite a visual. So, it is. Uh, yeah, what else was I going to say? Oh, yeah. And then, I don't know where it's going here. Uh, listener, if you're not caught up, you just fast forward through the spoiler. But it ends with Loki saying that, like, he can just rewrite the story. Which, yeah. I guess in the comics, like, Loki is the god. He becomes the god of stories. Which sounds very Neil Gaiman-esque. I'm wondering if Neil Gaiman actually wrote... Okay. That particular series because it seems very game and us. Uh, but I wonder what that means. What does it mean for Loki to be the god of stories? I mean, it's the you know, uh, it's a lot of power, like, and it's it's a pretty easy answer. Like, I'll just rewind it, I'll just rewind it. Oh, I don't, but I didn't they always have that power hit the temp pad? You would, you would think. Uh, you would think, but uh, I don't know. But this storyline isn't over because I don't know. I don't know how to show up, back up but again, it's interesting. Right? What's that? The big bad has to show back up again, doesn't it? Yeah, or either either that or uh, a stinger. It might just be a stinger. We'll see. Mm. Hard to say. Mm. Hard to say. Because Victor Wooten got spaghettified. Timely. Timely. Yeah. Not Victor Timely. <laughs> so that's what's going on in the world of time travel and uh, apocalypticism. 
What else we got going on? Oh, I like it. I could use some, I could use some more shows, man. I'm kind of at a some more shows. On that we uh, we got into Platonic on Apple TV. Did you ever watch them? Seth Rogen and uh, Rose Byrne. Mm. We ran out of shows. Oh. Chris was like, "We should watch that one," and uh, it was very good. It was good. Okay. Mm-hmm. I do have a recommendation for the discerning uh, TV viewer, which I assume is a heavy heavy uh, cross section of our audience. Uh, Hull Razors, like the city, is a city in England called Hull, which is kind of in the north on the east coast, um, and it's about uh, uh, moms essentially. It's like uh, three women in the city of Hull. It's called Hull Razors, and as a person who's watched a lot of British TV over the past twenty years, mm-hmm. um, we really had to intentionally turn on the captions to understand what was going on because the dialect is so. Particular, uh, which yeah. I think is really funny. It's really good, worth it. Good. It, unfortunately, on AMC Plus, which I had to mm-hmm. sign up for free. It's only six episodes, so you can get through it with it before they charge you. But it was a pain. It's a terrible app. This episode not brought to you by AMC Plus. Interesting. AMC Plus. I didn't even know that was the thing. Sadly, sadly, it is. Sad. Well, there you go, dear listeners. This has been uh, another episode of This Week in TV. How you've actually preached now, I think, right? Like you've done yep. a professional sermon. I did. For the first time in 18 years, it seems yeah. like. Um, how was it? Uh, good. I, I uh, um, uh, church member, former president, uh, Shirley Green, shout out to Shirley told me when I got to church, she said, uh, well, you've had four months to work on the sermon, so it better be good. Uh, so <laughs> no pressure at all. Uh, but I did I did figure out my opening because the first your first words in four months, they got to be something, right? So uh, what was the so first I, word? So I stepped up to the microphone, looked at one side of the assembly. Went with amplification. Looked right. at the other side of the assembly and said, ain't no mountain high. And I started singing, you know, loud enough, and everybody joined in, and it was wonderful, and they loved it. Uh, so it was good. You got to start with a song, you know. You got to start with a song. Uh, I tied my travels to the Saints because I did do a lot of like visiting cemeteries and things. It tied to the Saints pretty well to start, and then shifted uh, into the into the text and um, and moved toward naming ways that. Um, sort of naming people in the congregation as saints for things that I'd already seen in my first week. Here's what's going on. Here's what God's doing in the congregation. So, uh, so I did the things, right? Like I, I hit, okay, here's what I've been up to. And then, uh, let's get down to brass tacks about what's happening this morning. And, uh, mm-hmm. and also kind of set the theme. So my, my refrain was, uh, the blessing of belonging. Uh, and I know we've been talking about belonging on here and I think belonging is going to be part of, uh, where we go from here is that kind of emphasis on that. So I also like set the agenda for the next year. Uh, I didn't say I'm setting the agenda for the next year. Here's our five step plan and all that. <laughs> stuff. But I, but I set out a theme that I think we'll revisit. So yeah, so it was, it was fine. It was, it was pretty long. Uh, it was like 2000 words, which is on the long side for me, <laughs> but I couldn't, I couldn't figure, I kept working on it and working on it, working on it. And, uh, uh, like between 12, 1200, 1600. I don't know if I yeah, get to 12, I feel like I'm good. But if I've got more to say, I can push it to 16. 
but I don't really mm-hmm. like to go a whole lot. You start to lose people. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but it was fine. I mean, I was like. My problem would be I'd, I'd write a 1400er, 1400 word sermon, and then, but I've also got a place where like, tell this story. Yeah. I'm not even going to write it down. I just know the story really well. And then, then those end up way too long. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, um, yeah. Cool. I uh, was at a church that will remain unnamed uh, on Sunday. Uh, and the preacher there did not begin with a song. <laughs> no? Would have improved things, for sure. But um, didn't do it. Didn't do it. So. I'm telling you, it works. Hey, find a thing that works and do it. <laughs> Pretty incredible advice we give here on the podcast. <laughs> Didn't play my guitar yet, though. I just used the power of my voice. Yeah, power you lot, of my you voice. You don't want to blow it all, right? The first week, you know, you got exactly. some new things you're going to drop on them. <laughs> exactly. Or set the bar too high for yourself because they're like, "Oh, this is the new pastor, Matt. And this is how good he is." So, I, I did set it pretty high, but I, f- I felt like I had to. You, you got to start. You got to start on a high note. If you go down week two, all right. But you go down week one. It's like, what did we, what did we send him away for? Like, <laughs> you had four months to work on this sermon. What were you doing? So yeah. you got to start. You got to start well. You go down a little bit from there. All right. But at least you can start well. Indeed, Matt. Well, it, it uh, rapturous applause, standing ovation. What was the? How was the reception? Um. Yeah, we do applause in my church. So I got, I think there was some applause. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> good. good, good. So, uh, yeah, it was good. I uh, I like to end with, uh, uh, there's an Octavia Butler quote. She says, so be it, see to it. I think it's from, I don't know if it's in Parable of the Sower. I don't know, but it's Octavia Butler. She says, so be it, see to it. And uh, so that's how I, rather than saying it, amen, I say, so be it, see to mm-hmm. it, amen. Well, that's my little Octavia Butler for you. It's good. Works. It works. I like it. I like it. Well, cool. Uh, this week, Matt, you're definitely not going down with these texts. Straight to the top. Right back to the top of the mountain. The end of uh, year A with all these Matthew apocalyptic texts is brutal. It's just brutal. It's perfect for me. For your apocalyptic congregation. Yep. There are so, any, like congregations of the apocalypse, Lutheran Church of the Apocalypse. Great. That's gonna yeah, be my new start. New starts have a pretty good success rate, so I think uh I think that'd yeah. be a good good name. That's the, the thing they say about you know new starts is like can this you say Lutheran Church of the Rapture, and then when it inevitably disappears, you say, hey, we did our job. <laughs> oh, here we go. Zephaniah. Like a reading from Zephaniah, our old favorite name, favorite, our old friend, Zephaniah. Be silent. Be silent before the Lord God. Go on your silent retreat for the day of the Lord, silent retreats, very popular right now. I know multiple people, but it's taking a silent retreat in 2023. I didn't know that was, is it rising in popularity or has it always been? 
thing. I, I don't know. It's that. been a thing that I'm not interested in. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, I don't know. I mean, I, I just, I hear good things. I hear good things. Uh, I'm sure you're listening, Adam. So when you hear this, will you please text us and let us know uh, your review? Yeah. I mean, Street. I think that's the thing, right? Like I'm pretty good at silence in my day to day. Yeah. I don't, For some I don't people, know. They, like it's a real difference to like, yeah. but but another, I saw another campus pastor to, went on a silent retreat in Norway. Yeah. looked looked beautiful. looked beautiful. Uh, yeah, I'm like, huh. for Norway. It just it never crossed my mind. But now I'm now I'm curious. I'm curious is what I would say. Uh, mm-hmm. Anyway, Zephaniah, be silent uh, before the Lord God, for the day of the Lord is at hand. The Lord has prepared a sacrifice. He has consecrated his guests. That sounds ominous. I don't know. At that time, I will search I was Jerusalem. The other day and I made sure all of the guests were consecrated. Before <laughs> you got to do it. I think that was uh, chapter seven in the Art of Gathering. At that time, I will search <laughs> Jerusalem with lamps, and I will punish the people. Hope they brought enough oil for those lamps. I'm never going to get through this text. Who rest complacently on their dregs? <laughs> those who say in their hearts, "The Lord will not do good, nor will He do harm." Their wealth will, shall be plundered, and their houses laid waste. Though they shall build, though they build houses, they shall not inhabit them. Though they plant vineyards, they shall not drink wine from them. The great day of the Lord is near, near and hastening fast. The sound of the day of the Lord is bitter. The warrior cries aloud there. That day will be a day of wrath, a day of distress and anguish, a day of ruin and devastation, a day of darkness and gloom, a day of clouds and thick darkness a day of trumpet blast and battle cry against the fortified cities and against the lofty battlements. I will bring such distress upon people that they shall walk like the blind because they have sinned against the Lord. Their blood shall be poured out like dust and their flesh like dung. Neither their silver nor their gold (laughs) will be able to save them. It's pretty bad. On the day of the Lord's wrath, in the fire of his passion, the whole earth shall be consumed for a full, a terrible end. He will make of all the inhabitants of the earth. Uh, does it keep going? Nope, it just ends right there. Word of God, word of life. The children's sermon writes itself, man. The children's sermon writes itself. Their flesh will be like dumb. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, it's pretty easy. Straightforward. Not a lot to it. Um, it wakes you up. I mean, that's the one. That's the thing about these scary texts. You go, oh my gosh, it's so scary. Uh, but it's supposed to be like an alarm clock, you know. And we're gonna as we get into are Advent. with the time change. Yeah, you show up. Yep. And somebody's calling you dumb, a dumb monster. <laughs> that's probably why my kids were so mad at me this morning. Wake up, right. dumb. <laughs> Zephaniah, then we're that's enough. That's how I wake my child. Some people very gently wake their child. I go in and I quote scripture at my child. Namely, Zephaniah. Zephaniah. You flesh of dung. Oh my gosh. Uh, I like the, the, it's got some good lines in it though. though, The the houses you build for yourself, you're not going to live in. Um, Which sounds like (laughs) when paired with uh, your flesh that turned to dung. Uh, Sounds like a bad thing. Um, and a little sort of looking for intimidating, scary, right? Uh, but I think there's some cruciform stuff in that that you could make the case that like um, 
one of the things that I've always thought would be interesting, an exercise maybe all congregations should do, is like do a visioning session for the closing of the church. Like, what does it look like when this church closes? Um, because like every church is going to close uh, someday. Like the houses, which I think is what this, a way of hearing this uh, scripture, right? Like that like we build churches and we think they're going to last forever, uh, but that's not how it works, right? Um Every church, like who knows how long it is, right? There's, and I'm saying not just for like congregations for whom closing might be on the horizon, but uh, even like big, successful, uh, financially healthy congregations could take their their current mission. They could be better engaged in the present uh, and in the work that God's calling them to do where they are, when they are, uh, if they're aware of the lack of it's not your job to steward this thing into eternity uh, or into infinity, right? But to, to steward it right now. Um, so acknowledging the mortality of our institutions in a, in a particular way, I think would be helpful. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Acknowledging the mortality of our institutions, which seems clear and clearer every day and maybe that's maybe that's what's going on here i mean i think about um community organizing principle of agitation and i I just think that's i think that's part of part of what's here there's this there's this waking up there's this alarm clock and there's this like we can steward in the moment um but here's my here's my post-sabbatical perspective (laughs) is i think I think the shift for me, I do not actually feel more rested. I feel more tired. Maybe that's the daylight savings time. <laughs> but I feel like I have less of a, I think pre-sematical, and this was partly preparing for it, but I was much more in the weeds of the of the tasks. And I think coming back, and we'll see how long this lasts. Maybe it evaporates, but I have much more of the bird's eye view um, and the sort of seeing on the horizon Okay, yeah, the mortality of our institutions. Okay, yeah, the big picture. Okay, what um where where are we going? Uh maybe not for eternity, but um you know, what's our what's our destination in the in the short term? Um what is our purpose? What is our mission? Uh which I think is part of what Zephaniah wants to do is wake up these people who have become complacent and uh wake them up um and get them back on track. Um I'll say my congregation needs to get waking up woken up and back on track but i think just that sense of asking ourselves where do we need to wake up where do we need to get back on track um is part of what's happening here so i don't know it's one of those texts that is uh it's tough these are tough readings but if you can ground yourself in where do we need to wake up um maybe we can find our way in that's what i got good job i bet the gospel is going to be lighter though warm and fuzzy well matt um I think it's a little easier to deal with. Uh, shout out to the, the lectionary makers this week. I think they did an excellent job. These texts pair very well, especially for me, uh, that line about they will build houses, but they shall not inhabit them. Uh, we are in getting laid on here in the Gospel of Matthew. Jesus said, and this is an important part, uh, to note what Jesus says here and what Jesus does not say. Jesus does not say here, the kingdom of heaven may be compared to... Uh, which is the way he often introduces parables. Here he says, it is 
it is. As if a man going on a journey summoned his slaves and entrusted his property to them. I did the same thing. You did this uh, in six months before sabbatical. Uh, you trusted your property. The church is definitely your property, and they are your people. Sure. Um, <laughs> uh, and to one of his servants here, he gave five talents. And to another two, and to another one, each according to their ability. So that's three servants, five to one according to their ability. Uh, and then he went away. And the one who'd received the five talents went off at once and traded with him, uh, with them, and made five more talents. He used the talents, the wealth, the capital to make more capital, capitalism at its finest. In the same way, the one who had two talents made two more talents. Bingo, bingo. But the one who had received just the one talent, talent, of course, here being a unit of currency, went off, dug a hole in the ground, and hid his master's money. After a long time, the master of these slaves came and settled accounts with them. And the one who had received the five talents came forward, bringing five more talents, saying, Master, you handed over to me five, and I have made you five more. That is a 100% return on your investment. And his thriving representative said to him, wait, uh, his master said to him, well done, good and trustworthy slave. You've been trustworthy in a few things. I'll put you in charge of many. Enter into the joy of your master. And the one with two talents also came forward, saying, Master, you handed over to me two talents. I've made two more. He said to him, well done, good and trustworthy servant. You have been trustworthy in a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Enter into the joy of your master. And then the one who had received the one talent also came forward saying, I knew that you were a harsh man who reaped where you did not sow and gathered where you did not scatter seed. And so I was afraid and I went and I hid your talent in the ground in a coffee can. Here, you can have what is yours. The master replied, you wicked and lazy slave, you knew, did you, that I reap where I do not sow, I gather where I do not scatter, and then you ought to have invested my money with the bankers, and on my return, I would have received what was my own with interest. And so take the talent with, uh, from him and give it to the one with ten talents, for to all those who have, more will be given, and they will have an abundance, and from those who have nothing, even what they have will be taken away. As for this worthless slave, throw him into the outer darkness, where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Uh, obviously, Matt, this is the good news of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. Matt, we got a sneaky one, okay? And uh, for, for you church shoppers like myself out here, uh, how your preacher preaches on this text uh, can tell you a lot about the... Uh, exegetical bona fides of your preacher because there's one big problem here, man, with this parable. Uh, we can read it on its face and assume that the master's God, because obviously the master's always God, uh, that, that we should uh, be using what we got to create even more. And maybe there's a way to do that, uh, faithfully preach that sermon. But the problem is in the ancient Near East for the Hebrews, as it still is uh, for our uh, Muslim friends, Interest is illegal. It's against the law. It's against to and church interest. Um, and so uh, the pastor here, their expectation in Matthew, the Jewish gospel, despite what I one time argued with uh, whoever that professor was at that first theological education, uh, who I was making this point. Anyway, um, it was a long time ago in uh, Malibu, if I, as I recall. Uh, I called. Anyway, uh, the point here 
is that we should not assume that the master, I don't think, is God because uh, God here is encouraging folks, the servants, to break Torah. And instead of a parable about what the kingdom of heaven might be like, uh, the kingdom of God, instead of uh, seeing this as a parable about what the people of God might work towards, instead we should hear this as a parable about the way the world is uh, and um, what uh, what we might do and how we might be in it. Another kind of clue, uh, key here to, to key off of in the, in the reading is there's weeping and gnashing of teeth. The servants thrown out into the outer darkness where there's weeping and gnashing of teeth. I feel like that's key for like, oh, Jesus is typically, at least in my Girardian ways, uh, Jesus is typically the one thrown out into the outer darkness because uh, hmm. that's like, uh, a number of these parables work, like the one with uh, the wedding banquet where the, the guy doesn't bring the right shirt, gets thrown out, right? That's a, yeah. I think it's a helpful, it's it's a key to, to maybe consider Jesus might be the one who's on the outside. Anytime it does that, that's severe. There's insiders and outsiders. Um, what, who, my boy Textures guy, who's uh, a guy whose name I don't remember, who, who's pointed me to work on Molina in the past. Um, had a fun little quote here. Burying the talents is a classic piece of nonviolent resistance, uh, refusing to participate in this, uh, yes, capitalistic, but very anti, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, it's a heretical practice uh, and moral practice. Burying the talents is a classic piece of nonviolent resistance. The servant does nothing to harm anyone, but he makes a public act of refusing to participate and the unjust system of acquiring wealth for the few by impoverishing the many. Um, the other thing worth uh, having here is, is, again, the idea that's important to think about is in the ancient Near East, that a limited goods economy. That was a way of understanding money, um, but also land. It's a part of it as well, and land. And they strictly went with money and how to how to acquire, especially in an agrarian society. Um, so anyone who was rich was by definition immoral because they were taking the money away from somebody else. Um, the one reading of the Torah has kind of an inherent promise that when the when they enter into the land, finally everyone will get a piece of land, like a, will have a, their own place in the promised land. Uh, so anyone who has like a bunch of land is stealing from those um, from from other people, right? Um, so another layer to the ungodliness of the master here. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I like that reframing of it. Always, always something you can do with a parable is to shift it around. Um, it's funny. We always put like God in the most, whoever the most powerful person in the text is, we tend to like stick God in there. And yet the story of Jesus tells us something very different. And so it might help to shift those, uh, those equal signs around in your, your parables and your metaphors. And we were talking about apocalypse um, before and how these texts are so scary. Um, if an apocalypse is a revealing um, sometimes uh, these apocalyptic texts reveal the way the world is, which is what you said. Sometimes it reveals the way the world is currently as a way of putting up a mirror and saying, oh, actually, this is ugly. 
actually the way that we've structured this isn't good. This is actually really bad. Uh, and it might be hard to see that in our day to day because we're just like, well, this is just normal. Like this is just this is just how life is. It's just the way it is. It's normal. Um, and so sometimes maybe the telling the apocalyptic story this way, doing the revealing this way reveals that uh, maybe normal isn't good and maybe normal needs to change. Um, so that might be one way to read these scary texts. Matt, on your journey, when you went on a journey, you likely saw in all of these exotic airports you were in uh, currency exchanges. Um, did you happen to catch the current uh, exchange rate on a talent? <laughs> no, no, I didn't. Wasn't no. on the board. Mm-mm. Never pay no. the rate at the airport. It's always not good for you. Um, you can always get a better rate, less charges at a, at a reputable financial institution. Uh, turns out, Matt, a talent was 3,000 shekels. We know how much that is. Um, there's a, a lot. Some other folks say adjusted for inflation, uh, a talent was worth about $3 million in today's money. Uh, wow. Uh, another one says 20 years of uh, wages for a laborer, right? So essentially a lifetime. Uh, it's uh, Yeah, a lifetime. It's the money from a lifetime of labor, right? Mm-hmm. So we don't know what a talent is. Uh, for the listeners, the people who'd be hearing this parable, they would not see themselves in this story. It's an important thing to say as well. Like we hear servants, slaves, and I've got a hot take here, Matt. I don't know if it's ready for the podcast. I don't know if we should publish this, but I think slavery is bad. Um, yes. And so I think it's degrading to humans, uh, human slavery. And so when we hear slaves or servants in a biblical reading, we assume that they are not in a good spot, right? Uh, there's levels of truth to that, but there's a difference between our kind of like vision, like a, a, what American slavery looked like with the ancient Near East, especially being the kind of servant or slave who the master leaves with uh, $15 million to take care of, right? Mm-hmm. Like that's that's not something anybody who's hearing this story, like the rural people, whether they're slaves or servants or not, like that would be something to aspire to. That's a position of great power, right? Nobody's ever, I'm not a slave or servant, Matt, except a servant of, of the almighty dollar. Um, uh, and yet nobody's entrusted me with that much responsibility. Mm-hmm. So there's like, there's actually like layer, like you can put a lens of um, uh, fiery furnace on this, right? Like uh, Nebuchadnezzar's gold statues. Like this is an opulent story right and, and instead we hear oh he had five it was like a dollar like what was he like five dollars and no this is these are power this is this is a story about the inner workings of powerful people hmm. um and what how this like this is like this is this is a little wizard of ozzy like pulling back the curtain this is how things actually happen hmm. pulling back the curtain is what the apocalypse is all about boom yeah yeah yeah. What if the apocalypse is like the Wizard of Oz? What if the apocalypse is like the Wizard of Oz? <laughs> Excellent. Yeah, yeah. And I would suggest, I mean, it's true, slavery in um, in this time and place different from American slavery. And yet those, these words, master and slave, are, are so... Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think it's going to work. I mean, we can do it in a Bible study to be like, here's how this is different. I don't, yeah. I don't think in a sermon you're going to overcome the, that language. 
um, by explaining it. And so I think you got to get at it in a different way. And maybe that's by retelling the parable um, with some different languages, some different images. Wizard of Oz might be an option, but find some different, um, find, maybe find some different images and some different structures. Um, and, uh, and I, yeah, I'll say one, I'll say one more thing. I think we have time for one more thing. <laughs> so the prayer of the day, I always like to read the prayer of the day because it usually tells me something about what God is doing. And, uh, the assigned prayer of the day is righteous God, our merciful master, you own the earth and all its peoples, which I'm just, I don't know. I guess that's a theology. Uh, but I don't, I don't, I don't know that this kind of like hierarchy that is so incredibly strong that we're now in a master slave relationship with God is really a, I don't know if that's the direction we want to go. I just don't, maybe we want to rethink our, not only the language that we're using, but the theology that we're, I understand like everything belongs to God and we can think about stewardship, but I think we're sliding a little bit too far for using that master slave language. So just, I, I just, again, rethink it. And, uh, and I think the parable itself, the way that we've talked about the parable today invites us to rethink um, relationship and hierarchy and what the world, what we want the world to actually look like, or maybe what God wants the world to actually look like. Um, so Lots of things to rethink. It's an easy one this week. Man, you could like, so I wouldn't try to redeem master like slave, but that, the vocabulary there. But instead, it would be interesting to use the vocabulary to to reframe something else. Hmm. Um, so even into like the Wizard of Oz, right? Like, you start getting some real like emperor has no clothes kinds of things. Like is the wizard or whatever his name is, right? Like is he in the master slave relationship with, with that power, with power. I mean, that's where I would read into it, right? Like is the master's power itself. And, and it can be helpful to see that we, we other people, the world can be, can be in that kind of, is in that kind of relationship. Cause we like to assume since master slave isn't a thing anymore, we don't, we don't behave that way. And it's not a dynamic that's real. Yeah. But it's not true. Yeah. Yeah. You only get the spiciest takes here. Slavery bad. Slavery Over. bad. Uh, Take that. But again, there might be, there might be uh, forms of slavery that continue. Well, there, of course there are throughout the world, but uh, continue to exist in your, in your world uh, that, you know, revelation apocalypse helps us to see these things that are actually unjust that we think of as normal, but maybe normal, not so good. And maybe that's what apocalypse helps us to see here at the end of the world. So while we're thinking about that, what are we listening to? Reveal that it's actually Kang who's in charge of it all. Oh my gosh. Reality is not what we think. That was a good point. Like why would you go through the trouble of like orchestrating all the time and in space and they and wiping everybody's memory and not putting pictures of yourself around like the you put pictures of other things but you left anyway you left them behind the facade like you they're there for sure yeah so you could discover it yeah wild uh matt when you set out on a journey you're gonna need a playlist and that's what you come to the podcast for uh for our carefully crafted uh, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Not crafted. Um, search the sea. 
uh, 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 curated area, mm, curated nice. list of songs. And if you're starting off on a journey um, into a world uh, with where where uh, there's there's outer darkness, weeping, gnashing of teeth, you're gonna need a reminder to uh, to not stop believing. Keep on believing. Don't stop believing. Believing. There's no G. By uh, journey doesn't start with the G. Uh, it's at the top of my playlist. Then that uh, you have to be bold to be to engage in these acts of uh, nonviolent resistance. Uh, some might say that you got to be. You might have to be bad. You don't have to be bad. I mean, you got to be bad in the early '90s. You got to be bold. You might have to be wiser. Uh, you got to be hard. You could say or tough, or you got to be stronger. You might even got to be cool. Uh, you might need to be calm. And you probably need to stay together. But all, all I know, Matt, all I know is that love will save the day. I'm putting uh, Desiree. Desiree's You Gotta Be on the playlist this week. Uh, and finally, um, with the empty houses uh, and stuff, I like, uh, and the wealth that doesn't belong to the wealthy. Uh, I like This Land Is Your Land is a good go-to. And I'm going to put the cover version by the Abbott Bros on the playlist this week. Fantastic. Good stuff. Some classics in there. Well, I was thinking about my apocalyptic playlist, uh, and I got to put on there. uh, This may not be the end of the world, but you can see it from here. From John Mellencamp. It's on Mr. Happy-Go-Lucky, which is like a mid-90s John Mellencamp when he started goofing around with some electronic sounds and uh, it's probably my favorite John Mellencamp album. That's really weird and, uh, and cool. And uh, yeah, this may not be the end of the world, but you can see it from here. Check it out. John Mellencamp. Uh, and then you uh, two at the sphere, they've been doing a lot of songs. So it's Octung baby live at sphere, but in the middle of the set, uh, they do a little set from rattle and hum. And originally this was supposed to be, they're going to do a different album spotlight each time. And that didn't happen. It's been rattling hum almost every time. But they did a little set from uh, 1983's War uh, just a few uh, shows ago and did the first performance of Seconds in like 30-some years. Uh, wow. It takes a second to say goodbye. See the World by Candlelight. Seconds, uh, which uh, says, like a thief in the night. See the World by Candlelight. Thief in the Night is actually in Thessalonians this week. But uh, very apocalyptic stuff. Seconds from U2. And then uh, finally, another uh, kind of feels like the end of the world song, but uh, The Temptations with Ball of Confusion. Ball of Confusion by The Temptations. That's what I got on this Apocalypse Week. Boom, shakalaka! Well, I like it, man. I like it. Wow. What a sound effect. Hey, you got to have a soundboard. Makes life better. Well, it's been real. Real vinyl. Ooh.